Hola, pajama boy. Are we speaking Spanish tonight? Yes. Well, we did have tamales. We did. And I can say a few things in Spanish. Let me hear what you can say in Spanish. <laughs> okay. I can say, unas papas fritas, por favor. That's one order of french fries, please. Okay. That'll get us far. I use that in Honduras. That was it. That's how you reached. Well, I also know una cerveza, por favor, but that wasn't from YWAM. <laughs> That's like one beer, please. Which is funny that I know that since I detest beer. But I can order one. So we're good for beer and French fries. <laughs> beer and French fries. We will, we will not starve or get dehydrated. <laughs> um, that's pretty much it. Yep. Yep. Wait. Mas fuego. Yeah, more fire. More fire. I know that. That's See? the only thing I remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we probably know how to say, come Holy Spirit and fire and more Lord in about 20 different languages. But we don't know anything else. That's true. That's true. And I love you. Yaelska die. Mina Rakistan Sunua. Yaelska also die. There we go. That's for our international crowd. <laughs> Hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Keeping Up with the Joneses. Good night. <laughs> Baby, what a week. Yes. We have a totally different life when the school is out. Yes, we do. It's still busy, but it's just different things. It, well, it's a different kind of busy, isn't it? Yes. I, I just it's re- a more relaxed kind of busy. <laughs> well, I just realized when we're not teaching, we're meeting. Yes. We do tons more meetings. But then it also means we can meet with the people that we've been trying to meet with for the last couple of months that it hasn't worked out. Well, it also allows us to do the other parts of our job. Yeah. Tricky that. For those of you who don't know, the vast majority of our students from our eight months School of Supernatural Life, actually, I've got to stop saying it's eight months. It, I mean, the school is only in session for eight months, but we have two years Yes. So we've got first and second year students around the world right now on outreach. Students, we love you. We love watching what's going on. We're getting texts from the church leaders that you're visiting saying you're doing an amazing job. So well done on doing that. Yeah. But while they're away, we've got nobody to teach, which gives us uh, a completely different schedule. Well, nobody to teach on the school. We still have Emanate. Right. You spoke at Emanate this week. I did. What did you speak on again? I spoke on experience. There we go. Mm-hmm. And then you did a ton of prophetic ministry. I did. I love when you prophesy. Thanks. I think we need to challenge ourselves. I'm like so lazy. I haven't prophesied in forever. Yes. I, I think I've, uh, I don't want to say I've made a promise to myself, but I, I potentially have made a promise to myself <laughs> that I'm going to prophesy every time I speak. Way to go, commitment girl. Thank you. <laughs> I potentially made a promise. It's so late at night that I I really can't remember <laughs> what I wrote down, but I'll go back and look. <laughs> did I tell you the Lord came to him in a dream. No. The Lord came to him in a dream and I made a covenant with him. He said you should buy me a Breville toaster? Nope. Oh. But I woke up and I just thought, Lord, that's so sneaky. Like I made a covenant with you while I was asleep. Well, he and is. And now I'm bound to it. He is Jehovah sneaky. I mean, I don't mind it. It's a covenant I would have loved to have made anyway. I'm, I'm presumably I've just been kind of dragging my feet on it. So, so what was it? Oh, I can't tell. It's between me and the Lord. You mean you... The Lord, me, and our couple thousand of listeners it doesn't make it feel special. <laughs> I guess I could understand that. But anyway, I, I thought that was so funny. I was just like, wow, Jehovah Sneaky at work. I, I have paint on my fingers and talk I can't about open your, my phone. Talk about your latest DIY project. Oh, I am painting the backsplash tiles. And why are you doing that? Because they're hideous. <laughs> um, they're not- <laughs> 
Well, nah. Maybe a softer way of saying is that is that they're I not don't to your enjoy taste. them. Yeah. I don't like them at all. No, you don't. Hideous. Oh uh, yeah, unhideous. Just not nice. And you, you, I. The thing I love about you, babe, is you are not limited by fear when it comes to doing things around the house. Thank you. That's what Pinterest is for. And by golly, by golly, you are the Pinterest queen. I am. I can Pinterest and YouTube anything. And I figure if the average Joe can do it, I am the average Joe and therefore I can do it. So I just do a lot of research. I read a whole bunch of different people's blogs and see if everybody's saying the same thing. If, if, you know, make sure that the one that I've sort of selected to follow is similar to a whole bunch of other ones. And then I just go for it. Am I right in thinking that right now I'm getting high on the fume from oil-based paint? Absolutely correct. That we are getting very high. That stuff stinks. It's horrible. I wouldn't say it's horrible. It's just a new experience. The smell is pretty intense, but yeah. And it's oil-based so that you can wash it off because it's backsplash. Yeah. So do you want to talk about it? Um, Well, our backsplash was beige, Yep. which uh, I don't love. And I really want to, you know, paint our cabinets and stuff. But what we're trying is painting the backsplash white and potentially painting the kitchen and seeing if that is lightens up the kitchen enough that I don't have to paint all of the cabinets, which would be an enormous job. Because how many cabinets do you have? Oh, I don't know. 30 something. There's tons of them. Yeah. That does not look like a fun job. No. And I'll do it if, you know, nothing else works, but let's try this mode and see if that lightens up the kitchen and makes it nice enough. What, what, I mean, while you're fearless, would it be fair to say that the last thing that you take into consideration is the pace of your life? Yes. Is it true that your influencer takes over and you're like, oh, I could totally do this. I I could totally do this before Monday. And I have to step in with... No, I didn't think I was going to get it done before Monday. I was using hyperbole. Oh, okay. I'm saying, generally speaking, you're not the best at at realizing the other responsibilities that may get in the way of finishing the task. It's true, but that is what electrical tape is for. You can just tape those little guys down to the couch, put some cheese straws in their mouth, and put on a Disney film and get your work done. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? Please don't call child services. <laughs> she kidding. doesn't do that. I was more referring to me. I just oh. get neglected. Oh. I'm like a DIY yeah, widower. You, you are. All right. What else did we do this week? Literally, it was just all meetings, which was great, but not very interesting to talk about. We did see Beauty and the Beast. We did in IMAX 3D. Yes. I'm not sure you need to see it in 3D. Well, my new rule is if I can't see it in IMAX, I don't want to watch it. Why? Because... Going to the movies is a gamble because you're never sure who's going to end up in the movie theater behind you. Are they going to talk? Is the person in front of you going to use your cell phone? Um, are, are they going to be really noisy eaters? So if I'm going to endure actually leaving my house to be in public, I actually want it to be better than staying home and watching it. You sound like a hermit. <laughs> if I'm going to endure actually leaving Well, you know what it's house. like. You know what I'm like. Yes, I do. In, in movies. Well, but Big D would be good. Sure. Without the 3D. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. But yeah. again, if I'm going to watch something in 3D, I'd rather see an IMAX 3D because the 3D tends to be better than non-IMAX 3D. I'm not suggesting 3D. I'm suggesting just in the general. big D. Just the big screen with the big sound, but nothing popping out of the screen at you, which becomes annoying. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
I think it would be fine. What did you think of Beauty and the Beast? Uh, I really liked it. I thought they did a great job of sort of sticking to the original film. Were you moved by it? No. no I mean, no. I was. You were? Oh, I loved it. Oh. I loved the Be Our Guest, so I thought they did a great reproduction of that. Yeah, they did. It was really a long reproduction of it. That song felt really long to me. Yeah. One of the reasons we went to see it was we were so excited. Our our kids love Beauty and the Beast. MJ's favorite line is, I say we kill the beast, which he... Kill the beast. Which he kill repeats a lot while out in public with no context, <laughs> which is a little alarming. This four-year-old stands up with an imaginary pitchfork in his hand. And is like, I say we kill the beast. I'm like, okay, MJ. So we were excited about taking our kids, but then news came out that Beauty and the Beast contains Disney's first openly gay character. And we were like, how overt is that going to be? But we went to see it. And I don't think our, there's literally two scenes in the blink of an eye that are a nod to LeFou's homosexuality. Oh, I don't think it was LeFou. I think it was the other guy that they were trying to nod towards. It is literally LeFou. Oh. (laughs) So that's what I mean. There's the guy, there's the guy that ends up dressed up. Right. That's not LeFou. No, it but isn't. He seems excited but about that. But he's the person that LeFou ends up dancing with at the end. Right, for a split second. For a split second. What I mean is our kids would not have the awareness that that is a homosexual presented in cinematic narrative. Yes, very unlikely. Right. Um, but I still think they probably can't see it because of the wolves. Right, it was a little, yeah. Yeah, we went to see it to see would our kids manage it. It was what was it? Was it PG or PG thirteen? I can't even remember. But uh, yeah, it's a little bit too traumatic for our kids. Yeah, Abby would probably be fine. Abby would probably be okay, although she'd probably be a little bit freaked out at the wolves. But yeah, there's both T and MJ. It would be nightmare city if we if we took them to that. So anyway, loved the yeah. movie, really yeah. good. And then this morning we had Brother Yoon, who most of you would know as. The Heavenly Man from the book, The Heavenly Man, yeah. speaking at Grace Center. Is this his third visit at Grace Center? Yes. Yeah. He's lovely, isn't he? He said the next time he comes, he's going to bring his wife. Oh, wonderful. Which is lovely. Who just got completely healed, by the way. Yeah, did of you, lupus. Did they share that testimony? Yeah. Yeah, amazing. It, it was really good this morning. It was really neat to hear all the things that they're doing. And, um, of course, it's always it's always fun when you have to cut the feed at some point because you know you're going to hear all this stuff that's not supposed to get out there. So it's kind of cool. All right. I don't think we've ever done a follow-up before, but on last week's episode on backsliding, I was asking people for their input or their perspectives, and I want to thank everybody who wrote in. We had a bunch of you write in, contact us via our website or via email or on Twitter, and loved reading all of the emails that came in. And it sounds like, babe, that we we covered most of the bases for backsliding. Uh, Everybody who wrote in tended to share their experience of when they had backslided. I had some people who were in the midst of backsliding and were like, how ironic that I hardly ever listen to a podcast about God these days, but I just happened to look at yours and it was on backsliding and so it hit me right where I was at and these people shared their feelings. So anyway, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who wrote in. We really appreciated the time it took for you to contact us and we read every email. Yeah, thank you so much. So our main topic for this week, babe, is obedience. From backsliding to obedience in seven days. Didn't even think of that. Right. Talk to me about why you want to talk about obedience tonight. Um, I want to talk about it because, of course, we were listening to Brother Yun this morning and he has an enormous amount of incredible stories and has been through incredible things. Uh, If you haven't read The Heavenly Man, the book, I I highly recommend it. It's such a good book. Um, So anyway, he was, you know, sharing and they're doing incredible things 
uh, with Back to Jerusalem, uh, which is their ministry. And at the, you know, you can listen to someone like that and you can go and, and certainly they're not putting it on anybody like, Hey, you're not doing enough, but I'm sure the enemy would love you to think that like, Oh, these people are real Christians and you suck. Right. It's like when you listen to Heidi Baker or, you know, any of the heroes of the faith, you're just like, am I even saved? Right. Right. And so, um, you know, Jeff sort of said at the end, Hey guys, you know, it's amazing what they're doing. It's absolutely amazing. And they're being obedient to their call. And actually, you being obedient to your call is you doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right. That's the so, amazing thing about the kingdom that pays the same right. in the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> exactly. Right. It right. really doesn't matter. If, you, if if the Lord has called you to be a stay-at-home mom, you get just as much credit for being faithful and obedient to him as Brother Yoon does. Right. Risking or, his life. Or a missionary flying into you know Afghanistan or whatever. Right. right. There's no difference between the spiritual and the secular so long as you're walking in obedience to God. Right. You know, one of the one of the things that I was sort of pondering earlier was how do you know like if you don't know what you're called to do, how do you know how how do you know what to be obedient to, basically? Right. And and my thought was I think you just be obedient to whatever the everyday things are that God's bringing across your path. Right. Like, I think you demonstrate your ability to be obedient by obeying in the small things. Like when, when the Lord highlights somebody to you and, you know, go and have the conversation with them or, you know, when the Lord asks you to give to something, you give to something or, you know, the, the different things that the Lord asks you to do when you're obedient in those things, then I think that the Lord knows you're going to start being obedient in the bigger things too. Right. There's a ton of stuff in scripture that we don't need fresh revelation for that we could be obedient to. <laughs> Right, right. Do you know what I mean? I remember when I lived in Scotland, I would um, I still have some great friends, but in various seasons of my life, I was in an accountable relationship with these guys. And one of the questions I'd be asked every single week was, have you been faithful to the mandate of your calling? Which is a great question. Like, have you fulfilled the mandates of your calling? Have you done what you're called to do? And, and you know, initially when I was asked that question, I was like, I'm not even sure what I'm called to do. And I was like, oh, well, I'm not sure what I'm called to do, but I know what I'm doing, and I'm being a school teacher. Have I been faithfully administering my role as a school teacher? Have I actually got my assignments back to my students on time? Have I, you know, filled in school reports? Have I done lesson plans? Have I been faithful in doing this? Have I been faithful in paying my taxes? Have I been a faithful son? Have I been a faithful sibling? You know, just running through those things. I wasn't married at the time, so I couldn't talk about have I been. You, have I fulfilled my mandates as a husband and as a father? It's such a great question because often we're waiting for something big to happen before we're obedient right? rather than delighting in the details. Right. Yeah, I think that's really good. I think when you do have that track, re- track record, I don't know that it gets easier to be obedient in the big things, but it's maybe you're faster to get there. I think, well, you build up this little track record, don't you? You build up, you build up, muscle memory yeah and you've probably learned what it's like to be disobedient and you've experienced the fallout of that and you've learned the pleasure of obeying god in the small things yeah and the faithfulness of that and and what it produces i remember when the lord started teaching me about fasting Mm -hmm. and it's so funny because it was around the same time as asking the lord to hear his voice so here i am desperate to hear god's voice and the only thing he says to me is fast and it was you know in hindsight i realized the Lord was like, wait, why aren't you satisfied with hearing my voice? 
you've asked me to speak to you and now I have and you don't seem thrilled with it. And I'm like, right. oh, oh. And and for me, it was this whole purification thing of like, why do I want to hear his voice? Like, what what is that unto? Right. Am I just wanting to be, you know, an uber prophet or am I actually interested in cultivating intimacy? Anyway, do you, I was in the season of all I did was fast and I was like, what is this unto? And that's the important thing with obedience is we think it's going to be easier to obey when we know what it's unto. And maybe it is, I don't know, but I there's such there's such a reward for trusting and obeying God when you don't know where it's going. Yeah. And I would say in the big things, most of the time you don't know where it's going. Oh, no, no clue at all. Yeah. You may you may think you do though. I mean, I, I can think of times when I probably thought I knew where it was going, but I, I really didn't have a clue now that I look back. <laughs> but that's the folly of leaning on our own understanding, isn't it? Yeah. Like all of your prophetic words are easier to understand in hindsight than they are foresight. Yeah. Like how many of us have got a prophetic word and we're like, oh, I totally know what that means. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh. Oh, it didn't mean that at it all. It didn't mean that at all. Yeah. It, you, you've probably no doubt read Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, mm-hmm. you know, that we all speak love languages. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is God's fluent in all of them. Yeah. So you could easily say that God's love language is words of affirmation because he loves worship. So you could easily say that the Lord's love language is quality time because he loves spending time with us. But I, I love thinking about God's love language is obedience, acts of service. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus said it, you know, if you love God, then you will obey his commands. And the thing I've learned over the years is that actually obedience is really easy because it's actually what your heart wants to do. Yeah. In your heart of hearts, you do want life and life abundant. And the key to that is following Jesus, which is inherently wrapped up with obedience, you know, following his way and not our way. And at the point of salvation, actually, we got a new heart, we got a new spirit, we got experienced this new birth, this regeneration, and... Somewhere along the lines, if we think obedience is hard, we've been lied to. Yeah. And in my experience, growing with God, I love being obedient to God. I, I find tremendous delight in obeying God. I Do you ever have those thoughts? You're like, I wonder if I'm being set up by saying this out loud. <laughs> like I, no. <laughs> I wonder if the Lord's like, is that so? <laughs> no, because he's kind. He is kind. He is kind. He's, but he is Jehovah Sneaky. He is. I had a covenant with him while I was asleep. <laughs> I'm still, I still want to know what that is. Oh, I bet you do. Uh-huh. You're a prophet. You just ask the Lord. Okay. <laughs> Babe, what about that verse about to obey is better than sacrifice? Right. My thought about that yep. is that often I think we'd rather do the sacrifice because we kind of like the little rituals and then we can just return to living however it is that we want. <laughs> Ooh, that's cold, baby. But it's kind of true. Like sometimes we're like, oh yeah, I'll fast for a day or I'll fast for three days or I'll do whatever. And I'm literally never like, okay, I'll fast for three days. That thought never enters my head. We we like the little we like the little rituals, but we don't like the regular lifestyle obedience as much. It's a it's a little like what happens to your heart when you tithe. So when I started tithing, I was like, there's your 10%. Don't bother me with the other 90. The other 90 is mine, mine, mine. <laughs> and when God would come and say, hey, I would love you to give this, initially I'd be like, what? I and, gave you your 10%. And I wonder if sacrifices, like that mental checking in and going, see, I've done this, therefore I can now, I'll, I'll obey you on the big things, but the small things I don't think you care about, I'll just get on with my life. And, right. 
I'd like to steward it my own way. Right. But again, that comes back to that lie. No, you really do want to obey God. There's such life and such joy yeah. in obeying God. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, I just think even last year we were, we were at Elevation Church in North Carolina and the pastor who was preaching there, he just said, delayed obedience is disobedience. And yeah. there were some things that I had <sighs> not been actioning you know, for all my talk about, oh, I love obeying God, uh, you know, in this thing, I had been dragging my feet, not out of rebellion, but I think out of fear. Mm-hmm. And so I just made up my mind, okay, God, I've been I've been holding back obedience, thinking I'm being prudent and waiting for confirmations, but I was just chicken, basically. Talk to me about, I, I love the story that you tell about you getting in, because everyone who knows you today knows you as a public speaker, knows you as an author, uh, listens to you as a podcast host. You're very, very adept at speaking to people in large groups, one on one, etc., etc., etc. So right. people know you as this public speaker, this high influencer. Mm-hmm. So they might find out that your story into that was one of absolute obedience, which meant you had to sacrifice fear. Yeah, or even just my reputation. Yeah, I, I mean, I was. So I, I um I started speaking just because my youth pastor asked me to. Right. And I would shake horribly and vomit before every time I spoke. And typically I cried all the way through it. And just because you didn't want to do it? Uh, just because uh, I was terrified. You hated public speaking? Yes. Um, but it just seemed like every time I thought I had proven to everyone that they shouldn't be asking me, uh, somebody else would believe in me to do a little bit better and uh, and keep, you know, uh, pursuing that with the Lord. and um, Didn't John do that behind your back? Didn't John send you out? On yeah, some... he signed me up for a conference, signed me up to speak at a youth conference. Without checking with you? Yes. Uh, sounds like John. Um, and then, but he, you know, he did let me know shortly after. Oh, that was nice. Uh, that was nice. Um, you know, but they already had my name and everything. <laughs> so, but I mean, partially I was like, okay, actually, you know, John was like, AJ, what if this is what you're called to? And, you know, I had had all these prophetic words about speaking and all that kind of well, stuff. talk I about just, that. I just didn't like it. You didn't just have one or two. You had some, over a number of years, some oh, heavy hitter prophets. Mm-hmm. Well, in one year. Oh, I, In one year, um, yeah. I had five different major prophets call me out and say, I see you traveling the world and speaking and speaking in stadiums and all this stuff. They gave you the same word. All of them, yeah. And none of that moved your heart closer to obedience. No, I thought they were all insane because I was just like... At a girl. Yeah, I know. No, I, but the thing is, I was afraid of people. So I didn't think that possibly God would be asking me to do something that I didn't feel equipped for. Say that part again. I didn't think that it was possible that God would be asking me to do something I didn't feel equipped for. I didn't I didn't know that God would bring the equipping. Right. I just thought, well, naturally, that's not something I want to do. And there's people that do want to do it. And so surely they're called to it. Um, I didn't realize that he he qualifies the called. You know, right. he, he goes ahead and does the equipping. And so... Um, it was obedience that actually brought me through the equipping stage because I just kept saying yes to God, even though it was painful and it wasn't easy for me. And now look at you. Now look at me. When did it get easier? Well, it got significantly easier when I stopped vomiting every time I had to speak. Uh, but it, I mean, probably was after a year or two that it got a little bit easier. Fun. <laughs> yeah. 
But I mean, in, in the first year or two that I spoke, I only maybe spoke four or five times right. a year. So you, you're not actually um, getting to do it enough to not be nervous about it. So here's our encouragement to everybody who's listening. If the Lord has asked you to do something and you haven't done it yet, do it. I know it's really complex and deep this week. Tricky. But seriously, there's so much delight on the other side of obedience. Oh, absolutely. Especially obedience that requires sacrifice. I think about the times that I've moved countries, and I've, I guess I've only done it twice. Yeah. But both times, you're, you're leaving your life, you're leaving your whole life, your friendship groups, the quality of life that you know, the environment that... It's it's wonderful, and mm. and you're being obedient and going. I don't even know how this is going to work. And both times that I've done that, I'm just amazed at God upgrading everything. Yeah. And so the reward is well worth the risk. Yeah. So we want to encourage you. If the Lord has been speaking to you about something and you haven't done it, take this as the word of the Lord today. Go do it. Go do it. Obey the Lord. I was reading Tozer tonight, A.W. Tozer, and he said this great line. He said, when you kill time, remember that it has no resurrection. Wow. I I do not want to stand before the Lord at the end of my days with regret. No, me neither. I just, I want to, I want to cross the finish line panting from excitement and not exhaustion, but like I have ran the race. I have done everything. I have been so obsessively compulsive about being obedient to all the, you know, little eyes and dotting the eyes and crossing the T's. Yeah. I, I want to be so intentional with the way I live my life in obedience to Jesus. And I, I, I think you're fully alive when you're fully obedient. Amen. I totally do too. Good. That was one of the things that attracted me to you. Thanks baby. Was your wholehearted devotion to Jesus. Thanks. I was attracted by your Scottish accent. Were you really? I did really like the accent. And now it's basically gone. It's totally gone. I can't hear it at all. And when people stop and ask you if you're from Australia or England, and I'm like, okay, he doesn't have any accent at all. How you're picking that up, I have no idea. And no, he's not from either of those two places. But I know. All right. We need to, you know what I need to do? What I do you need, need to, to do? Import a bunch of Scottish people. Well, that's happening to, in to May. Beef up your accent. <gasps> that's true. We're getting the, the the most ridiculous Scottish accents coming to stay oh, with us. Oh, yeah. We should put them on the podcast just for fun. We should. Just have an accent challenge. All right, listener's question. Yes. For this week. You're going to love this question. Oh, hit me with it. This is from Jill. Yeah. It says, AJ. Yes. What kind of kitchen knives do you use? <gasps> We're looking to upgrade, and I'm thinking you probably use the best. I do. I do believe I do. They're called Wustoff. And I use the Icon Classic range. So um, the thing with knives is you want to get one that fits your hand really well. And the Icon Classic uh, has a bit of a slope to it, but it's got a good weight to it. And it's just a really nice knife. And all of the the different uh, blades that they have, um, the, the actual handle is really nice on all of them. So um, I love it. There's a, it's a good heavy knife. Um, you should probably brace Jill for for the reality of those knives, though. They're they're expensive. They're these are knives you've collected over the years. Yeah, I've been collecting the Icon Classics for the last nine years, and I still don't have a full set. So birthdays, anniversaries, 
Yes. Christmas presents. Yes. You'll get a new I'll, knife. I'll like save up, you know, gift certificates and stuff like that from birthday and Christmas and put them together to get one knife. So they're, they're expensive, but they're well worth it. They're great knives. And you use them all the time. Use them all the time. My kids use them. I'm teaching them how to use good, sharp knives. Someone's got to learn to juggle at some point in That's their life. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. See, I get mocked <laughs> for buying light bulbs. Nobody ever mocks you for buying kitchen knives. Well, probably most people don't have any idea how expensive they are. I've had people come over that actually cook and they don't mock my knives. They're like, oh my gosh, these are amazing. I'm like, oh, I know, but they probably also realize how expensive they are. All right. Yeah. See, we're all nerds. I'll be able heart. to hand them down to my kids. They're great knives. What, are you planning on going somewhere? Like that was a... Well, no, no, I'm just saying like knives like that, they're like lifetime knives. You know, you can hand them down. Okay, perfect. Yeah. All right, Jill, hopefully that's helpful. And that's a wrap, folks. As we're coming to the end of this podcast, I was listening to a podcast another week. It's a podcast I don't subscribe to, just a friend recommended this episode. Really enjoyed it. I was listening to it. And at the end, I was like, oh, that's really nice. They've actually catered for people who just drop in and listen. So if this is the first time you're listening to Keeping Up With The Joneses, welcome. I'm Alan. I'm AJ. You can find more about us at alanandaj.com, A-L-Y-N-A-N-D-A-J.com. Uh, we're pastors at a church called Grace Center. You can find a link to that from our website. You can also follow us on social media. I am at Alan, A-L-Y-N, on everything. And I'm at underscore A-J Jones on everything, <gasps> except for Pinterest, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> what are you on Pinterest? I think I'm Allison Jean on Pinterest. Oh, okay. Way yeah. to go. Thanks. Why can't you get uh, underscore A-J Jones on Pinterest? I didn't know that was a goal. I can try. Yeah, okay. No, I lied. I'm a dot J dot Jones on Pinterest. If you're still listening to us, congratulations. <laughs> I've lost the will to live. Um, where were we? Oh yeah, you were talking about your Pinterest handle woes. Yeah. We produce a new episode every Monday morning. You can subscribe to our podcast using your podcast client of choice or just go to alanandaj.com and you'll see a nice subscribe button right there. We hope you have an amazing week full of obedience, full of blessing, full of joy. We'll be back here, same time, same place. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games, paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Alan and AJ, keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their life experiences. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, they talk about faith in God and everything under the sun. If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone.